Good evening and welcome to Pastor's Class. We're thankful you've joined us tonight for this broadcast. And so as we take these few moments, we're going to be spending our last week looking at the Apostles' Creed. We spent this entire semester walking through the different phrases of what in particular this great creed of the faith uh, has been put, you know, churches have been quoting this thing for centuries. And so as a part of that, uh, why is it the churches have quoted such a great doctrinal statement? And so we've looked at each of these phrases uh, over the course of this semester. And so tonight we're going to end with a couple, uh, one being very fitting, speaking about the resurrection of our bodies, in particular on Easter week right now, is a very fitting uh, phrase to study, in particular from Scripture. So thankful you're a part of this study tonight. I'd like to pray for us before we jump into this study. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great hope we have even as we look towards the life after this one, the life we're going to spend eternally with you. We thank you for that great hope. May it be encouraging to us tonight as we look at it, the fact that we will one day be resurrected just like you rose from the dead. And on this Easter week, may we see and celebrate the risen Savior, knowing that because of Him, uh, Lord, we will one day rise again as well. We are thankful for that great hope. May it be an, an encouragement to us tonight. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, as we take through this study tonight, in particular, we'll, we've walked through the Apostles' Creed. It, it has a bit of a time progression. We looked at what we believe about God, and we looked at, in the past, things that have always been true, things we know about God in the present, and even through the Apostles' Creed, it speaks about things about the future. Then at the very end, there's key phrases that the Creed gives us in particular to speak about us, affirmations of who we are. And these are the last two found here in the Creed, looking at the fact we have a resurrected body. And so looking at the resurrected body and the everlasting life. So the resurrection of the body, our body, and the life everlasting. So those will be the two phrases. We'll break them down. We'll spend probably most of our time looking at the resurrection of the body in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, and then we'll move over to looking at life everlasting. And uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, we'll, we'll be looking at that quite a bit tonight. Uh, but before we get to that, you know, as we study something like this, that, that's kind of far off, the fact that our bodies will one day be resurrected and there is this life we're going to have everlasting or the way we would refer to it more often now as eternal life. As we look at those two phrases, these are meant to be comforts and strengths to the Christian life. The Bible talks about uh, us comparing the present sufferings with the glory that's to be revealed in us. Uh, calls that the afflictions that we face now light and momentary compared to what is to come. And so the Bible speaks about Christians placing their hope on what is to come. This is an underutilized tool in the life of a Christian. Many times we find ways to battle depression and despair and uh, difficulties we face in our life. We, we do it by hobbies or escape. We, we can do it biblically. We, we oftentimes pray or we go to the Word. One of the things that I don't think we do enough is think on eternal life. The, the place, the destination we have ahead of us should be of great hope to us now for the road that we 
walk. And so as we walk through this tonight, I don't know where you find yourself. You know, if you watch the news more than 15 minutes right now, it can lead to a fair bit of discouragement. And so maybe you're sitting at home by yourself and you don't have a lot of personal contact or you're sitting at home with the rest of your family and they're driving you crazy. Either side of it, uh, you are in these difficult, it may be difficult days for you, and you can look to the hope we have ahead of us. Christians, don't. Our, our hope isn't just right now, it's in front of us. And those two things being the resurrection of the body and eternal life or the life everlasting. So I'd like to walk you through. We have the handout attached here. You can reference it to the different digital medias. You can find it here on our website as well as in our feed here. So you can find the handout that will walk you through tonight. But I'd like to walk through a few things, particularly looking at the resurrection of the body. And so the first thing I'd like to point out is that, that Christ's resurrection leads to our resurrection. Christ's resurrection leads to our resurrection. Meaning that our resurrection, one day when we rise from the dead, it is connected to Christ and his resurrection. They are intricately connected in the fact that's where we draw the power that we'll one day rise from by the fact that Christ rose from the dead. And what a fitting week on Sunday. We look forward to celebrating this. And then there, there's one particular passage of the Bible when it speaks about the resurrection of Christ that talks all about the different aspects of it. And probably the foundational passage on it all is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'd like to read quite a bit of that to you tonight. So if you've got your Bibles open, let's look at 1 Corinthians 15 and we'll start reading in verse 12. It says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And as we look at this passage and, and see how our ability to come back from the dead relates to Christ's ability to come back from the dead, we need to pause and not skip something here. The previous phrase that uh, Pastor Kyler looked at last week was the forgiveness of sins. And then now we're looking at the resurrection from the dead, but all of a sudden in the middle, we've kind of skipped death. The fact that we will all one day die, meaning that every single person, no matter who you are, will all face death. And it's a time in which our physical bodies and our spiritual being will be separated in a sense. We will be separated from our physical being in that time. And it is a penalty of sin. The, the reason that we die is because of sin, and sin has cost us. And so there's a level at which we don't, as Christians, we don't need to minimize death. Uh, oftentimes I think the, the world who looks on at death and has no hope beyond the grave wants to minimize it and say, well, let's just celebrate the person's life and not, not have any sort of realization of their death. And I, I don't want to take away from celebrating how uh, the Lord was kind to us through a particular person's life. That, that's, that's a great thing to do. However, there's a level at which we should not gloss over the tragic nature of death because that is a key part of the gospel. And death reminds us that on the other side of that, there is this great hope of eternal life. You see, our resurrection is connected to 
Christ's resurrection. So as we face death, as we look at the fact that we one day need to be raised again by Christ, we need to realize that our lives need to be not built on this temporal world, but on the eternal world. Meaning that if you only approach this temporal world and build your life there, then death is a difficult thing. But if you build your riches on the other side of that, it makes death much more bearable. In fact, you can walk through it with great confidence. And we'll, we'll talk more about this as we walk through 1 Corinthians 15. But, but just in short, if you spend, this is why some people have such a difficult time dealing with death. And I'm not saying it's not hard and there's not some tragic ways in which people have died in your lives. What I am saying though is if, if you think about it this way, if your life is like building a house and your every hour of your life is putting a brick somewhere. And as you're building, there are two different lots next to each other. One lot has a sturdy foundation poured with concrete and is strong. And one lot that's just for this world, and maybe even more attractive in the moment, is a place to build your lot today. And let's say every day you spend of your life, you're building it as if you're living for the now. You're living for whatever pleasure you can have now. Your treasures are built on earth, they're not in heaven. And you're putting every hour that you live, you carry a brick over and you start to build more and more. And eventually you get a pretty good structure built of earthly living. Your life is completely for that. And then all of a sudden death sneaks up in some way, form or fashion. Maybe it's your own death, maybe it's somebody else. And your world is rocked and your life is completely built on that side. When that happens, don't be surprised that it really messes with you because you've not built your life on eternal things. Now the reverse of it is the person who has spent their life realizing that it means and matters for eternal purposes. I'm going to build up treasure in heaven. I'm going to invest my life in these things. The person who built their stuff on that solid day realizes that this death we face, particularly if you know somebody as a Christian that dies, we have great hope. And so if you build and live your life for eternal things, I promise you that when you face these difficulties of death, or even we sit here now and you watch the news and you are looking at what's going on by investing your life in eternal things, you will have great hope and peace during this time. And so what I want to do is just pause there for a moment, talk about how the resurrection of Christ, our resurrection is connected, but ultimately our great hope in death is the eternal life we have in Christ. And so if you want to be able to face that well, make sure you're dwelling on eternal things today. So there's, there's one idea there, is the fact that they are connected. They lead to each other. Here's a second point for you, is Christ's resurrection is essential for our resurrection. Meaning that when Christ was raised, it's crucial for our own resurrection. The two are connected. Look at verse 14 with me. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, if he's not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Meaning that Christ's resurrection, not, not his crucifixion, his resurrection, which is after the crucifixion, if that's not happened, it, it's like the Jenga block that sits at the very bottom of the Jenga tower. And if you pull it out, the whole thing falls over. And the same thing works here, is that if you pull Christ's resurrection out, the entire house of cards of the Christian faith is 
done. It's gone. We might as well give up the whole thing. Look at me with me in verse 15. It says, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we've testified about God that he raised Christ. So we've said all this. So now we're misrepresenting God whom he did not raise. If that is true, then the dead are not raised. I mean, we're lying about God. For the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. So if we don't believe we're going to come back to life, then not even us, not even us can make this statement because we're lying. It becomes an absolute lie of the Christian faith if we pull out the one bit of the resurrection. So we get to the end of this Apostles' Creed and we say the resurrection of the body. We're talking about a foundational truth. If you pull that thing out, the whole house of cards falls. For if even the dead are raised, not even Christ has been raised. Look at verse 17 with me. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And look at what's still happening. If he hasn't been raised, it's not just one day that impacts you. It says right now you are still in your sins. Christ's resurrection still impacts you by the fact that you are still living in sin. The hope of the gospel is gone of even the present moment. Look at verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. There's not some hope for folks. If you know people that are dead and they were in Christ, you say if the resurrection didn't happen, then they are dead in their sins and they've perished. Look at verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are, and here's, what, here's what's crazy, how this is all in right here on Christ. If we have Christ, hope in Christ only, we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, we, people should feel sorry for us because our entire lives are built on a lie. That's how significant this truth is in our Christian walk is the fact that Christ has been raised and that we will be raised as well. The third thing about Christ's resurrection I'd like you to see is that Christ's resurrection gives hope for our resurrection. We are a people of hope, looking forward to things. We have great hope in what is to come. In particular, what Christ has accomplished up against uh, what state we were in through Adam. Look at this uh, next phrase in verse 21. He says, for as by one man came death. So this is by Adam. Romans 5 talks a lot about this. We've just were in this a few months ago and preaching, but the idea of through Adam all men fell. Just by a man came death. By a man has come also, this is Christ, that the resurrection of the dead. So. We all fell through Adam, and now through a federal head of Christ, we all rise from the dead. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. As in Christ all are made alive. This is the picture of Christ as the federal head saving all of mankind, and us all being found in Adam in a fallen, sinful nature. Look at verse 23, but each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. And so this is interesting here. Christ is the first fruits. What it means is that he's the first domino for everybody else to be raised from the dead. 
So when Christ rose from the dead, he was just the first one of many would come behind. Just imagine like a tree that would produce fruit all through an entire season. There would be a first fruit. What, what might first come off of that tree is a fruit, and then you would expect that tree to produce fruit all the rest of the season. The same thing here is that Christ is the first fruit, first one to rise from the dead, and then subsequent from that, everybody else is rising from the dead as well. Look at verse 24 with me. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. And then he talks about his reign. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. We finally end this particular passage, this part of the passage, where with this conquering king who's going to put all enemies under his feet at the resurrection when he comes and we are one day the resurrection of the body will happen his kingdom will come about so this goes back to what i was talking about at the very beginning that this is our hope as christians we long for this kingdom we know that this is a broken world and the earthly systems are broken and right now all you have to do is watch the craziness of our world trying to figure this thing out you'll know that this isn't the kingdom that we're supposed to live in forever but one day we'll be in a kingdom that we won't have to deal with all this strife and all this struggle and in that moment that gives us hope as a christian we have great hope here found in the resurrection i'll press it further about some of the hopes that we have christ's resurrection will actually change our bodies at our resurrection. There is hope that our physical bodies are going to change. And so here's a particular thing that it's evidently when Paul was writing 1 Corinthians 15, some of the Corinthians were struggling to understand exactly how this old body is going to come up out of the ground. And the older you get and the longer you live, and particularly the closer to death you get, you might can imagine why you'd wonder how in the world is he going to bring us back? How in the world is he going to do that with these bodies? Even that, look at the question they ask here in the text. Verse 35, but someone will ask. So there's some people asking, what are they asking? How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? They're wondering how this thing's actually going to work. How is it that he's going to raise us? And what hope do I have in, in my physical body? He answers it down in verse 42. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. And we all feel that. We see it with the coronavirus. You just see it. And every day that you live, you feel the body perishing. It's it's not getting better or stronger after a certain age. It's starting to perish. But what is raised, here's the great hope you have, is imperishable. Meaning that you will have a body that will last forever. So let's talk just a short moment about the body. When, this, when you're resurrected, what kind of body are you going to have? You're going to have a physical body. This will be a new physical body that... You, you will have it. And it, this is, uh, I heard this, I read this somewhere when I was studying for this, that somehow our, um, every seven years with the, how our body's always growing and with the makeup of our uh, cells and the way it all works, that we are kind of, we're almost an entirely new being every seven years with 
just everything growing and making new, uh, the substance of who you are changes so much. However, we're still the same person. And this is the same way it will work in this scenario. Even though the substance of who we are has changed and we are have this renewed physical body, you will still be the same person. And you will be, and take this in, gloriously perfect. Man, that's something, that would be great, wouldn't it? There's all kinds of ways you'd like to be gloriously perfect. And uh, he talks about this here in verse 49 of the text. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust. So just as you bore the image of Adam, now we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Now we will bear the image of Christ. 1 John 3, 2 talks about how we shall be like him when we see him. We, we will now be in the image of Christ, no longer in the image of Adam, now of Christ be made holy again. This doesn't mean we're all powerful, all knowing. We're not God. So don't think that when this happens, you're all of a sudden God status. But when this happens, you will no longer struggle with sin. You will be holy and righteous. And just all the struggle with sin you might have today. I, maybe you wake up every day and there's, a, there's temptation in your life in whatever regard it might be. And you fight and you struggle and some days you're just tired. You're tired of carrying joy in the midst of suffering. And you're tired of being uh, happy when you feel depressed. You're tired of continuing to fight whatever temptation you face. Just know one day, one day that, that'll all lay down. You don't have to do that forever. One day you will have a perfect body that will no longer struggle with any of this. This is the great hope in the resurrection, that we'll have changed bodies. And here we are. There's another change that we'll uh, face in the resurrection. Christ's res resurrection changes our pain at our resurrection. Meaning that uh, Paul ends with this great and bold section. I like to just read it to you. Um, and as he ends with his bold uh, may just as you hear the words, it be of encouragement as he speaks of such a bold faith, beginning in uh, verse 50. Look what he says. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Old death, where is your victory? Old death, where is your sting? Think about this great and victorious statement saying that the sting of death is gone. 
death is painful. It, it hurts us to think of other people dying. It hurts us to think of our own death. And through the resurrection of the body and when that day comes, we'll victoriously declare, death, I, I don't even know where your sting is. It's gone. And I, I don't know if you feel that sting today. Be encouraged by the resurrection of the body so that it might strengthen you for the work that the Lord has called you to do because we, we still must carry on. And so as we struggle with the difficulties of life and the pain, as we look towards our resurrection, it actually leads us to a couple of different places. It leads us to praise to the Lord. So what ought to happen every day as we look towards the end when you might be struggling, it lifts your head. And let me read a couple more verses to you. It says that the sting of death and sin and the power of sin is the law. And notice what he says, but thanks be to God who does, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to him. And so in these moments, when you begin to start thinking about the victory that will one day come, instead of some sort of despair or discouragement, out of your heart comes thanks. Even in the midst of suffering, this joyful thankfulness the Lord can give you in these days. So today, just be encouraged, be joyful, and be thankful that you have great hope down the road and Strengthen your hands for the work ahead. I want to show you one last uh, point here under the resurrection. Then we'll talk about eternal life. Christ's resurrection changes our lives as we look to our resurrection. I'll just make this short in one verse. It's the very last verse here, 15. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in Vain. Maybe a good verse for you to work on memorizing and internalizing in this time. Because as we set our hearts and our affections thinking about what's going to happen at the very end, it becomes strengthening to the work you do today. That you know that what you're doing is not in vain. Because every day and every hour you put bricks not on that house that's going to perish. You put it on that lot that's going to last forever. So that whenever this world is shaken and things turn, you look over and you go, you know what? All my stock is not over here and things are going to go away. My stock is in the imperishable. The things that will last forever. Now... We've talked all about the resurrection. Now, I want to just spend a few moments talking about what actually happens after the resurrection for all eternity. The phrase it uses here is the life everlasting. Everlasting life, you could say eternal life. You could even say heaven itself. What we're talking about is life forever with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I just want to take you through a few things speaking about life ever, everlasting, and I pray they are of great encouragement to you today as well. So here's the first one I want to take you to. Heaven is a place that is defined by the Bible. It's a real place that the Bible is defining for us, that we can look to the Bible to understand what is actually happening there. Look at John 14. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms. Notice you don't get a, your own house, you get a room in His house. Many rooms in my father's house. If it were not so, would I have told you that I would go? And look what he's going to do. 
He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, so there is a real place and a real house for you. A real heaven. There's so much in this world <laughs> that uh, teaches wrong things about heaven. From the greeting cards you pick up at Target on the aisle with greeting cards. You, you see pictures in there from movies that you watch to cartoons to all kinds of things that make you think things about heaven that maybe aren't biblical or right. And so one of the things that you should be sure to do is make sure that you are have heaven defined and it, everlasting life defined in a biblical manner so you understand what it is. And so I want to give you just a couple more points that point to that. Here's the second one. Heaven is a place of great hope and blessing. You can't imagine the greatness of this place. That, that when you look to heaven, it is a glorious and wonderful place to be. A place that you should desire and long to be as you walk through this road of life. Let me describe it to you this way. First, First Corinthians 2, 9. But, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man <laughs> even imagined, right? What God has prepared for those who love Him. Think about all the imagination in books and movies and everything you see in this world. It's amazing now to watch movies and the, the uh, graphics and the things they can do and the massive and beautiful and wonderful things you can see. And the Bible says that even in all that we can imagine, we still don't know how great heaven actually is. What, what an incredible place it has to be to go and to see what it means to be with God forever. So heaven is this wonderful and glorious place that is beyond our imagination. It's a place of great treasure. You think about the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about how you should build up for yourself treasures in heaven. It's a great treasure. The Bible describes this as citizens of heaven, and it actually refers to it as our inheritance. That It's this great and glorious treasure that we will inherit. In fact, you don't even have to go to heaven to experience all these blessings. In many ways, you can experience them now. A lot of the great blessings we have of life are glimpses, are pieces of what is to come. So every time you have these glorious moments uh, of worship of the Lord or some sort of blessing, be thankful because what you are is you're getting a small taste, an appetizer of a glorious feast that's on its way. And so know that heaven is a place of great treasure that is beyond any imagination that you might have. Let me show you a third thing about heaven. Heaven is a place of worship. When we talk about everlasting life, we're speaking about everlasting worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not some dreamlike holiday where you're at a resort the entire time just enjoying the amenities. This is a place of worship of the Lord. We are focused on Him. So let me just read the imagery from Revelation 5 to you when it speaks about worship of the Lord. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. What a scene. 
saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. This is us worshiping the Lord. We, we will spend forever in this moment bringing Him praise. And you say, well, oftentimes when I start thinking about this everlasting life, you start thinking about this worship the Lord, and it is glorious, uh, just in a real moment of honesty, you might begin to think, does this just mean we, we go to church forever? Like we're sitting in a worship service? And we're just going to be singing and preaching and, and just seeing the Lord and just hearing about Him. And that's all we do? You think it's just an, an extension of what you get to experience here on earth just longer. But in fact, it's much more. And so I just want to give you this last point. Heaven is a place of not just more life. It's in a place of abundant life. Look at how John chapter 10 describes it. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, Jesus came, that they may have life and have it, and here's the phrase, abundantly. Meaning that you might have abundant life in Christ. This isn't just more biological life. When it uses this Greek term, we're speaking about full life abundant life, meaning not the life in Adam, but the life found in Christ. And so if you think of all the wants and desires and dreams that you might ever want to pull from life, and you think of that here, and you think, well, if all I had to do is just live longer in that state, sitting in a worship service, if that's how you view heaven, you've missed it. You've shot way too low. In fact, what you ought to see is that every desire or want or love or passion, just, just think of the moments when you're in worship or you've experienced in your walk with the Lord where you've just been blown away by God and your life is just radically altered. Your heart is full. You can't help but sing or praise the Lord. And man, you just love it. And you can't keep those. Oftentimes it's like you hit those and life kind of goes back to normal. But I want you to think about that moment when God is just amazing to you. Now I want you to take that abundant life moment and I want you to make it everlasting. So you're going to get to heaven and this abundant life's going to roll out in every sort of desire or want. You're not going to want to run to sin because everything you have will be fulfilled in Christ. Because no longer will you see through a veil anymore. The Bible says you'll see him face to face. So as you experience this forever with Christ, you'll have abundant life in Him. Christian, take great hope today. Take great hope that one day, no matter what happens to you with your death, that if you are found in Christ, you will be resurrected 
one day with Him and then forever spend it in abundant life in worship with Him forever. There is great hope to be had there. And Christian, don't ignore that truth. Don't push it to the side. Don't think it's just something that you're going to get to one day. It is a truth that should anchor your heart today to hold you through storms and to keep you through whatever you may face, knowing that when Christ one day comes back to get you, that the same power that brought him from the grave will bring you up for abundant life with him forever. May that be of comfort to you today. May that strengthen you today. And may that carry you through the days ahead, no matter what you might face. Let me pray for you and then we'll be done. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this great hope we have in Christ. The fact that one day we know no matter what we face, we'll be delivered in this life or we know we'll be delivered in the next one. No matter what happens, we have great faith and hope in you. Lord, strengthen your church today as we even we still can't meet together. May we find strength in you and strength in the ways in which we can connect to each other in different ways. Lord, Strengthen your church today, carry us through the future, and we trust you and pray this in Christ's name. Amen.